Shalom, this is Gamliel Shmalo. In 1 Samuel 19, David is confronted with the unimaginable. Despite David's loyalty to Shaul, despite David's courage in battle, despite his faithful friendship to Shaul's son, Yonatan, and despite his faithful marriage to Shaul's daughter, Michal, King Shaul wants David dead. Shaul has always been a bit indecisive. From our introduction to Shaul in chapter 9, when he was haltingly looking for his father's donkeys, through his ambiguous return home in chapter 10, after having been anointed king, and on through his unsteady reaction to Yonatan's initiative in Michmash in chapter 14, Shaul was consistent in being inconsistent. That was his curse. In our chapter 19, Shaul's indecisiveness is also David's blessing. Yonatan warns David that Shaul wants to kill him, but then Yonatan succeeds in calming Shaul. Unfortunately, this calm lasted only long enough for David to be com- confronted with undeniable evidence of Shaul's murderous intentions. Shaul again throws a spear at David, and this time David sees the danger and actively takes flight. David flees home to Michal. David apparently is still incredulous. Michal, it seems, needs to reinforce Yonatan's warning. If you do not escape tonight, she tells David, you will be killed in the morning. Michal lets David out the window and creates a ruse by putting a statue in David's bed. What are Trafim doing in the house of Michal and David? Ready at hand? It's a fascinating question that bothers all the commentators, but it's not for now. We might have expected David to run south, back home to Yuda. Instead, David makes the shorter trip to the retired prophet Shmuel in Ramah and told him all that Shaul had done to him. And the two of them went together and dwelt in Nayot. We can only imagine the difficult conversation between the aged prophet and the young refugee. As far as we know, they had met only once before in chapter 16 when Shmuel anointed David. As you will recall, their meeting was brief and a bit cold. According to the rabbis, Shmuel had hesitated to anoint this ruddy shepherd, whose red complexion reminded him of the bloody Esav. When Shmuel had previously anointed Shaul, they had spent the night together conversing. But Shmuel gave David no such attention. The Tanakh doesn't record any words that passed between them. When Shmuel had anointed Shaul previously, Shmuel gave a kiss to the anointed. But David received no kiss from the old prophet. As far as we can tell, Shmuel simply poured two drops of oil on David's head, turned on his heel, and walked away. From chapter 16 through today's chapter 19, this strange anointing must have left David and us readers a little bit confused. So David had a lot to discuss with Shmuel when he arrived in Ramah, fleeing for his life. What would he report? Shmuel, you anointed me. But I, David, was never interested in seizing power. I was inspired by meeting you, but I was a bit confused by being anointed at that time. We Jews have a king, Shaul, and I, David, have been happy to be loyal and to wait for God's plan to unfold. Knowing the monarchy was destined to leave his family, Shaul fell into a a dark mood. He was anxious, nervous, depressed, I, David, who will someday grow to become the Jewish people's greatest poet, the author of Tehillim, 
I was called to play the harp for Shaul. This had a calming effect, and I, David, was loyal, waiting for the divine plan to unfold. Shaul's army was taunted for forty days by the hero of the Plishtim, Goliath. The Jews were terrified, and Shaul was so desperate that he promised his daughter in marriage to whomever could kill the giant. I, David, volunteered for the dangerous mission, which I won with only a stick and my slingshot. I went out in mission after mission, and Shaul became jealous of my success and popularity. But I, David, always remained loyal to King Shaul. I waited for the divine plan to unfold. Shaul sent me, David, out to battle, hoping the Plishtim would kill me. To bait me into joining a suicide mission, he promised his daughter Merav to me. I was successful, but when I returned unharmed, Shaul refused to keep his promise, giving Merav to another man. I, David, found this troubling, confusing, but I remained loyal, waiting for the divine plan to unfold. Shaul sent me out for yet another dangerous battle, again hoping I would be killed. Again he promised me another daughter, Michal, should I be successful in the impossible task of killing a hundred enemies. Instead of killing a hundred, I killed two hundred. Shaul had no choice. Michal had fallen in love with me, and Shaul gave her to me. I continued to fight battle after battle. My reputation soared, and Shaul became increasingly dark and jealous. Shaul told his son and servants to kill me directly, but then he was appeased. He became jealous again and tried to kill me with his spear. I dodged the spear and ran home to my wife, the king's daughter, and now I've come to you. Shmuel, I did not go home to Bethlehem. I did not escape to a foreign country. I've come to find you. It was you, Shmuel, who had put the drops of oil on my head, who had then left me without a kiss and without a blessing. It was you, Shmuel, who had turned away in silence, leaving me to navigate all this danger on my own. I have remained loyal. I have been waiting for the divine plan to unfold, but now I'm on the run without food, without water, without protection. What does God want from me? It was at this point that Shmuel took David to Nayot, where he had developed a base medrash to train young prophets. And there, the rabbis teach, they began to study Torah. The great Amor Rava taught that it was on that day that Shmuel and David together discovered, in the Torah, the location of the temple in the holy city of Yerushalayim. David may have been tired and hungry, but he was much more troubled by wanting to understand the secret of the conflict into which he had been placed. Shmuel revealed to him that this was the secret of Yerushalayim. As they explored the verses from the books of Yoshua and Devarim, it became clear that the site of the temple would be a high place, but not the highest. It was in Binyamin, the tribe of Shaul, but bordering Yehuda, the tribe of David. In fact, the Sanhedrin would be in Yehuda from the children of Leah, and the Mizbeach, the altar, just over the border in Benjamin from the children of Rachel. In short, Yerushalayim was to be a city of unifying opposites, of resolving conflicts. There was an ancient conflict between the children of Rachel and the children of Leah. There was the immediate conflict of Shaul and David. There is the eternal tension between heaven and earth, between body and soul. David, 
You must experience all these conflicts on your own flesh, be tormented by them, torn by them. It is not easy to heal conflict. It takes hard work and wisdom and energy and empathy. Having experienced the conflict between Benjamin and Yehuda, you can find a way to resolve this and other conflicts to bring together, to heal. You, David, through the powerful study of Torah, can create a special place that unifies Yehuda and Binyamin, that joins together heaven and earth. David himself would someday write about Yerushalayim as a unifying force. In Tehillim it says, Jerusalem built up, a city knit together, to which tribes would make pilgrimage. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. It is not surprising that David and Shmuel together discovered the secret of Yerushalayim through the deep study of Torah. Every year, we commemorate the Yartzite of David on Shavuot, the day of the giving of the Torah. And every year, exactly one week earlier, is the Yartzite of Shmuel Hanavi on the 28th of Iyar, what we today call Yom Yerushalayim. I am sure that these two lions, who felt the pain of conflict and war, are looking down at their nation and blessing us, asking us to learn Torah deeply as they did, urging us, pray for the well-being of Yerushalayim. May those who love her be at peace.